Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. Before we begin, I got to ask a quick question. How many of you have ever heard the Easter story? Come on, show your hands if you've ever heard the Easter story. I, I assume some of you would. Some of you are afraid. Some of you are just lying. Let me remind you, you're in the house of God. Come on. For those of you that are new to church, let me just quickly explain. We believe in this church that God created the heavens and the earth. Amen. And then that God, often when he revealed himself, he wouldn't just do it with thunder and lightning. He would have a personal relation with people in the Bible. And and often in the scriptures, when you read the Bible, it says that that the word of the Lord came to someone. The word of the Lord. And in John chapter 1, says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And John 1.14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That the God of the Old Testament became a man. He became living. He entered human history. The infinite God became finite. The king of kings became a baby. Why did he come? Did he come to give us a Bible? Did he come to give us a holy building? He came to die for us. And when he carried that cross on Calvary, it was your cross, it was your sin, and it was my sin. And the crazy part about Jesus coming he didn't come to teach, even though he was a great teacher. He didn't come to love, even though he was, he was love in the flesh. He came to die. And on the cross, he died for your sin, and he died for my sin. But the good news of Easter is that the tomb is empty, and there's news to tell. Come on, everybody <laughs> grateful for Jesus. But when he came out of that tomb, let me tell you, it wasn't just his resurrection. It was my resurrection. But what I challenge you today is you may have heard the Easter story, what happened in the morning. But do you know what happened at night? Someone say night. Night. We are a loud church. Let me just tell you, if you're uncomfortable and you're religious and your booty's going, "Mm," this may not be your church because we are a loud church. John 20, verse 19. That Sunday night. Someone say night. Night. How many know you're different in the morning than you are at night? You're different at work than you are with friends. Everybody ever heard the term mullet, business in the front, party in the back? Some of you are righteous on Sunday, ratchet in the back. Come on. You're different around Christian friends than you are with your hood friends. You, you show your morning on social media. No one shows their night because we're different people. Let me show you a picture of me and my family in the morning. This is my, my three-year-old, Chug Chug. She has to hold my hand no matter where I go. Mom was like, Mom, Zoe, you want to hold my hand? No, Dada, Dada. So she's always holding my hand. And if you look like this photo, it's because my wife took it. She's a wedding photographer. Anybody in the family, you're the photographer in your family? You're the, you're the IG husband or the IG wife, right? You know what I'm talking about? Your wife's eating, and you're taking pictures, and your food's getting cold, and you're taking pictures. It's a real thing. Uh, but what's so funny is about these when I take pictures, the first three things that my wife says is, don't post that. Because she knows I, I can't produce that. She can, though. And let me show you a picture of me in the night. This photo will never be on social media. <laughs> My wife's eating a panini, loving life. And it looks like someone murdered me because I actually did die. We are on vacation with friends. And we're in Italy. My wife had not been there in 25 years. And my wife thinking, I need to prepare. Who knows where I'm going to go? Who knows? I need to bring 25 pairs of shoes. Come on. More than 20 outfits. I'm dead because I'm hauling around seven pieces of luggage for my wife. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Take that photo down right now in Jesus' name. 
Take it down right now, Jesus. <laughs> and what's so interesting is that some of you, you took a shower before you came, you shaved, even the ladies shaved, you know, even the mustache a little bit. Come on, you, you glued on your eyelashes, you spray painted your face, and you came to church. You look good today. But what will you look like tonight? Some of you watch it online. Thank God for you. Thank God for church online. Some of our, some of our biggest givers are those watching online. I know you're, what you're watching right now, but what will you be watching tonight? What's so funny is that we will put our best picture online and we will hide our worst, worst picture because we will show people our morning, but we will hide our night. And those are the same person. My wife, every time I want to post a picture, I'm like, honey, you look amazing here. Please let me put you online. She's like, honey, you don't understand. You love me. So no matter what the picture is, you think I look good. But people online, they're not going to love me. They're going to judge me. And what's so true is that, that the only way you can find real love is when someone sees your morning and your evening, and they still love you. And what I want to encourage some of you that are church for the very first time, Jesus he wants to minister, not to the morning version of you. He wants to minister to the one that you hide when you come to church. The night version of you. Someone say night. night. Jesus wants to minister to that part. The part that you hide, that you never show online. That's the part that he wants to speak to and change. John 20, verse 19 says, That Sunday night, someone say night. night. The disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of of the Jewish leaders. This is John chapter 20. So Jesus already risen, died and risen from the grave. This is Easter Sunday. Why are the disciples hiding on Easter? And Acts 13 says these uneducated and ordinary men, these are not like uh, the savants of that culture. These are not the, they don't have an IQ to be a part of Mensa. These are ordinary average dudes. And yet these 12 disciples, they flipped the Jerusalem in 20 years. From zero Christians to 50% Christian. These men are anointed. They're called. They're gifted to, to preach the gospel, to cast out demons. Why are they hiding like cowards? Don't they know that Jesus has risen? In fact, if you read the gospels, they've been told four times that Jesus has risen from the grave. But I love that the Bible does not just glorify God's, humanity, God's divinity. It shows our humanity. These aren't Marvel superheroes. These aren't like comic characters. These are anointed apostles, but we see their nighttime. We see them afraid. There's psychologists and therapists say the first phase of grief is often denial. Maybe the reason why they can't believe that Jesus has resurrected is because they still can't believe that Jesus died. Maybe they can't get their brain around God coming back from the dead because they still can't get their brain around God dying in the first place because messiahs they're not supposed to die these are jewish men by the way raised from a very young age maybe in our culture we we memorize taylor swift and and justin bieber and billy eilish songs these kids memorize the torah the first five books of the bible from a young age of three parents were commanded to teach their children the great Shema, Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. They'd say it in the morning. They'd say it on their way to school. They'd say it in the evening, and they'd say it on their way to bed. These kids, these people were waiting for the Messiah. Their whole life was about the Messiah. The Messiah would come, and he'd restore Israel. He would bring back what was stolen. He would bring back, the king would bring his kingdom to earth. 
To believe in the Messiah was common in that place. But to claim you're the Messiah, that's cray-cray. And Jesus showed up saying, I'm the Messiah. I'm the God of the Old Testament. You're either crazy or you are who you say you are. There's no in-between. There's no good, by the way. Either you're God or you're not. And these, these 12 disciples, they, they gave up everything. They gave up their families, their careers, their friends, their calling, everything, because they believed that Jesus was who he says he was, God in the flesh. And they followed him for three years. They saw miracles. They saw people that were born lame and born blind walk and see for the very first time. They saw Laker fans who were demonic become warrior fans. Come on. (laughs) They saw miracles for three years. And all it took, listen, was one day for their bubble to be popped. They came to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, which was last Sunday, and there were thousands of people in the streets saying, Hosanna, which means adoration and praise to God. And one week later, that same crowd was saying, crucify him. Crucify him. And their bubble popped. That's what I want to speak to you today. The title of today's sermon is, When Your Bubble Pops. Is that on the screen? When your bubble pops, or maybe it's when your life pops. Don't worry about it. We'll keep going. But what I want to encourage you is, what is your bubble? Because everyone's got one. You know what a bubble is? It's where it's safe. It's where you're comfortable. It's where you're protected from the elements. And everyone here has a bubble. Something that you place your hope in, your trust in, and it's going to let you down. Maybe for some of you, your bubble is, let's find it. Let's find it. Where is it? It's education. Maybe your, edu- maybe your bubble's education. From a, little, from a young age, your parents told you, you got to go to school. You got to get good grades in high school. Then you got to go to college. And then you got to get a good job. And then your life's going to be easy. And you study for 25 years, killing yourself. And on the day you graduate, you're like, no more homework in Jesus' name, Right? And the day you graduate, you graduate with two pieces of paper, a diploma and student loans. And you've been paying those off for 10 years, hoping Joe Biden pays them off. And he ain't. He ain't. And pop goes your bubble. Maybe for some of you, it's not education. It's your career. I don't need an education, Pastor. I got a good job. I work for a Fortune 500 company. I got insurance. I got dental insurance. I got life insurance. I got health insurance. I got insurance for my insurance. I got all of it. You know, yeah, you know me, OPP. I got everything, right? But all it takes is, is one merger, one layoff of middle management, and pop goes your bubble. Maybe you're here like, Pastor, I don't need an education. I don't need a career. I come from money. Money, money, money. I got stocks. I got cash. I got Bitcoin. I, got, I don't even know what MTFs are. I got some of those. And that's what people said in 1927. Nothing bad's going to happen to me. And then in 1928, they termed this coin for the very first time, stock market bubble. And it popped. And in my lifetime, it's happened three times, 1988, 2000, and 2008. And economists say we're on the verge of another recession, where every time it happens, one-third of the wealth in America goes pop. Maybe you're different. Maybe it's not education. 
Maybe it's not your career. Maybe it's not money. Maybe it's bae. It's relationship. Some people want it all. Come on, I can't sing. I'm not going to even try. <laughs> and your wife or your spouse is your bubble. So much so that you don't even hang out with people because you're with that person so much. You're literally in a bubble. And one day you come home and you see a text from someone that, that ain't you. And you're like, who this? And your bubble goes, pop. And maybe you're like, no, no, but that, that will never happen to me, Pastor Ali. I love my spouse and she loves me. Yes, but COVID doesn't have to ask you your opinion. And neither does cancer or neither does that drunk driver have to ask your opinion. Sometimes accidents happen. All it takes is one nail. Listen, and your bubble goes pop. Can we now understand why the disciples who spent their entire, from the age of three, waiting for the Messiah, and they finally met him. All it took was one nail in his right hand, one nail in his left hand, and one nail in his feet for their bubble to go pop. And the preacher in me wants to say these big pithy statements, God can be your bubble. But the pastor in me knows that sometimes God's bubble pops too. I want to tell you that if you place your faith in Jesus, everything's going to be okay, but that's not the truth. That there is suffering and pain even if you are a follower of Jesus. And some of you, your bubble popped. You prayed a prayer and God didn't answer it. And it popped. You wait on God for a miracle and it popped. You wanted God to heal that relative of yours and he didn't do it. And your faith went pop. You, you saw your friends get married and you're, when's it my turn? And it popped. You trusted Christians at church and they were the ones that gossiped and lied about you behind your back and your faith went pop. And all it takes is one nail for even your faith to go pop. Let me give you the definition of a, a bubble, by the way. A bubble is a metaphor that is anything that promises a security that it cannot deliver. Some of you in this room, you, that bubble for you was education. Maybe it was your career. Maybe it's your money. All of these things will eventually pop. For some of you, though, it was faith. And for some of you, your faith didn't pop. It didn't explode. There was a small prick of a nail. And it's deflating. Your faith didn't die overnight. But it's been dying every night. And you don't have the passion you used to have. You don't have the faith that you used to have or the joy of the Lord that you used to have. And the joy and the love that you used to have for God is deflating. If that's you today, if your bubble has popped, if your faith is deflated, I want to tell you something, something encouraging. Jesus, he resurrected on Sunday morning, but he revealed himself on Sunday night. He wants to reveal himself to you in your brokenness, into your night verse, the hot part of you that you won't tell other people. Someone say night. God wants to reveal that part of himself to you. Now, before we transition, I want to do something fun because it's Easter. Before we go to the food trucks and the cookies and all the good stuff, can you, if you have a, one of those bubbles on your chair, can you raise it up above your head? Come on now. I want to have some fun. These bubbles represent your bubble. 
And my goal today is that God would pop your bubble and that you would build your life on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. And on the count of three, as an act of faith, you go, God, pop my bubble. On the count of three, one, throw it up high. Two, three, let's go. When your bubble pops. Number one, get out. Someone say, get out. God does not want to be your bubble. Yeah, he's having some fun. I'm going to let the last ball pounce. Before you. When your bubble pops, get out. Someone say, get out. get out. It is a misconception that God is a bubble. God is not a bubble. Listen, just because you've placed your faith in Jesus does not mean you will not get sick, not lose your job, not lose loved ones. This is not the prosperity gospel. It is the real gospel. It means there sometimes there may be pain, but there's a God who will never leave you in the, in the face of that pain. And too often we have, we have we believe this wrong idea about God. And I know where it comes from. It comes from the Book of Job. If you've never read the Book of Job. If you never knew the Bible, it's Job, J-O-B, but it's pronounced Job. And Job is is this man who's righteous. He walks with God, and the devil's coming to complain to God. I can't crush this dude. I can't hurt this guy. You've put like a Jesus force field around him. In John, Job chapter 1, verse 10, it says, Have you not put a hedge, some translations say hedge of protection, around him and his household and everything he has? Have you, you have blessed the works of his hands so that his flocks and his herds are spread throughout the land. There's this idea that if I place my faith in Jesus, he's going to put a force field above me, around me, and around me. Come on. And nothing's going to hurt. I won't ever get sick. I won't ever lose my job. Nothing bad ever bad will happen to me. Let me kind of break that lie down real quick. Job lost his wife, his kids, his job, his dog, his cat. That's not so bad. Everyone should lose their cat, but he lost that too. Come on, let's put it in context. He lost everything. Number two, God does not say a hedge of safety. He says hedge of protection. And there's a difference between safety and protection. I have a friend who lives on the east side. Not east side Santa Clara, by the way. I'm talking about Sorian King, hood. Every time I go to his house, I don't feel safe. You can give me a bulletproof vest, okay? You can give me a gun on the passenger seat. You can give me a police escort. Am I protected? Mm-hmm. Do I feel safe? No. God, listen, never promises safe. Bubbles promise safety. God promises protection because God's not a bubble. Look what it says in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. This is after this, after what? This is Genesis chapter 15. In chapter 14, there was a war. Right after Abraham comes out of war, God says this. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Don't be afraid. This is actually one of the first verses that I ever memorized. I encourage some of you, make this your li- one of your life verses. Do not be afraid, Abram, for I am your shield and your very great reward. I am your shield and your very great reward. God is not a bubble. Listen, he's a shield. A bubble protects you from the war. It protects you from the outside elements. A shield is different. A shield acknowledges that I am in a war, but I'm protected. Uh, That's why Isaiah says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. It does not say no weapon formed against you shall be used. The weapons are coming. The attack is coming, but you don't need to be afraid because God's your shield. He's your protection. 
And so often we, we think God's a bubble. God's not a bubble. Listen, the, the fact that the devil is complaining to God, I can't hurt him, I can't attack him, is evidence that he is being attacked. Is evidence that there is an attack. Why? Because God's, God's not a bubble. He's a shield. I love what it says in Ephesians chapter 5. It says, in chapter 6, it says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. When the devil wants to come after you, he doesn't throw hands. He throws darts. He throws darts. And he's a master, master bubble popper. And listen to me. God loves you so much that he'll allow your bubble to be popped so that you don't build your life on something that won't satisfy, that won't provide that security. And sometimes as parents, we want to put our kids in a bubble, amen? Uh, I remember the first time my, my daughter, who's six now, but when she was three, she came home one day. She was not herself. And my wife and I, they were like, what was your high from the day? What was your lows? Two questions we asked every day. And uh, she didn't want to talk about her low. She kind of avoided it. We kept pushing and prodding. We, we discovered that she had a bully at school who was saying really mean things to her. And I remember her. True story, I, I remember, is his dad bigger than me, Sophie? <laughs> Just curious, right? If we maybe got into a fight, what do you think would happen? And my wife's like, come, you're a pastor. I'm like, I'm not going to hurt the four-year-old. Come on. And my wife, who's 10 times the parent that I am, looks at Sophie and says, Sophie, who does God say that you are? Are you the head or the tail? Are you above or beneath? Are you called or are you not? Are you anointed or are you not? Why are you believing what he's saying? Why don't you believe what God says? See, my goal, my goal, yeah, you can clap for that. I wanted to put my daughter Sophia in a bubble. But often as parents, when we want to keep our kids safe, we keep them small. Forgetting that they, they only get strong in the battle. And God is the perfect parent. He will not put you in a bubble because he needs you to be strong for you to walk out your calling. And listen, he will let stuff come after you. But listen, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. It won't kill you. It will make you stronger. And bubbles. Can, can someone throw me one of these balls? Just, I just need one. Not five, one, one. Thank you. <laughs> the thing about bubbles is that they bounce. And so often when you grow up in a bubble, when things get hard, you know what you do? You bounce. When the marriage gets hard, you bounce. When life gets hard, you bounce. When church gets hard, you bounce. When Jesus gets hard, you bounce. And God is not a bubble. He's a shield. And he wants to teach you how to fight for your faith, how to fight for your marriage, how to fight for your kids. Come on. God's not a shield. God's not a bubble. Say, he's my shield. He's your shield. When your bubble pops, get out. Number two, if you're taking notes, when your bubble pops, get under. Someone say, get under. Get under. Remember any nerds in the room, Lord of the Rings? Remember when the orcs, they'd light the, their arrows and they'd shoot it? And Aragon and like Frodo, what they do, they get the shield and they, they get under. Sometimes you got to get under the word of God. Sometimes you got to get under his promises. Even though it looks chaotic around you, it's when you get under that when you're safe. One of the biggest examples of, of a bubble popping in the Bible is the story of Moses and the Israelites had been slaves for 400 years, and God heard their cry, and he raised up a deliverer named Moses. And Moses shows up, guys, God spoke to me. 
He wants to give us a land of milk and honey. In fact, let me modernize this. He's showing them pictures of Airbnb. Guys, all of us are going to get a house. It's like an Oprah. You're going to get a house. I'm going to get a house. We're all going to get a house. They're all celebrating, right? He's like, we just got to go in the wilderness and worship God for three days. And then we're all going to get our Airbnb in Jesus' name. And there's, there's this party. A million people leave Egypt. And as they cross over the, the Red Sea, the, the Egyptians get crushed in the sea. And what turns out to be a three-day journey, listen, becomes a 40-day journey. Have you ever had a promise pop where you promise one thing, but then you got another? Imagine being the Israelites. Moses walking around showing you these Airbnbs. You know, like the pictures you see on like pier space, like immaculate photos. Oh my God, I got a jacuzzi. I'm like, this is amazing. And then you show up to a desert. Snakes, scorpions, no water. You know the worst part about the desert is the weather. The average desert is 100 degrees during the day. Even during the winter, by the way. And then during the nights, even during the summer, it's 25 degrees at night. So you you, you feel like hell in the morning, in the, and then you freeze your butt off at night. Imagine being told this promise that God has a blessing for you. God wants to give you everything. Imagine that bubble popping. But God's not a bubble. He's a shield. And look what God does for the Israelites. In Exodus Chapter 13, verse 21. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so they could travel by day or by night. You didn't see it. If you saw it, you'd cheer. I read the Bible from cover to cover seven times. I never saw it. Why does God give them a cloud by day? To give them shade from the sun. And why is he a pillar of fire? Not, this is not an Old Testament Nightlight, by the way. He wants to give his children heat. See, some of you have been let down by God and you walked away. And the only way you're going to survive in the desert is if you get under. Get under. When your bubble, God wants your bubble to pop because he's not a bubble, he's a shield. And God, at the same time, is a parent that loves his kids, and he will not keep you so safe that it will keep you small. And even though your circumstances seem chaotic, even though life does not seem like the way it's going, don't, don't mess with God is still in control. And even though your last church hurts you, you don't walk away from church, you get under good leadership. And even though the last church was a little religious, listen, you get under grace. When your bubble pops, you get out and you get under and number three, if you're taking notes, on this Easter Sunday, you get through. Someone shout, get through. get through. Let's read the rest of this story. That Sunday night, someone say night. night. That Sunday night, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, someone say suddenly. suddenly. That's a preacher word right there. Suddenly. Just sounds good. Suddenly. Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Verse 21, as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. And they were filled with joy. That's something weird to be joyful about, right? Like your friend shows you his bullet wounds. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy for you. Like why are they joyful over these holes in the hand? Same testimony in Luke chapter 24. He said to them, why are you troubled? This is Jesus speaking. And why do you, 
Why do your doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones. As you see, I have. The 12 disciples, not all of them were there. There was one by the name of Doubting Thomas. Anybody ever heard of Doubting Thomas? What's so interesting is the Bible does not call him Doubting Thomas. Man will label you by your sin and mistake. This man is a, an apostle. That's what God called him. And often we want to we wanna show people our day. We want to hide our night. And God doesn't want to hide your night. He wants to redeem your night. We may label him Doubting Thomas, but God says, you are who I say you are. Come on. And Thomas, man, he just, I, I got to see it for myself to believe it. I, I'm the same way. Show me, I want to touch his spleen from the inside. I want to tickle his lungs. Come on. And look what Jesus says in John chapter 20. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Verse 26, eight days later, the disciples were, imagine all of your friends believing this for eight days and you not seeing it. If he's really, he'd show himself. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, put your finger here, bro. And look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Someone say believe. believe. Some people won't believe until they see it. Some people won't believe until they hear it. As a pastor who's been pastor for 10 years, most people won't believe it until they go through it. It's not until you get sick that you need a healer. It's not until your marriage dies that you need someone like a God to, to bring dead things back to life. It's not until your life breaks that you need a redeemer. It's not until you have a struggle that you, you need God to write a new story. It's not until you have pain that you need God to bring purpose out of it. So often, God reveals himself to us, not on the mountaintops, but in the valleys. Not in our mornings, but in our nights. Yeah. I love that Jesus, when he has this resurrected body, and let me just remind you, everyone in here, even those with a bad back, are going to get a new body. I'm so thankful. Come on. Can't wait. Wake up in the morning, do whatever I want. Imagine spending your whole life in a wheelchair, waiting for the resurrected body. And Jesus, when he, when he picked out his resurrected body, he could have picked anybody. Lamborghini body, Rolls Royce body. He chose one with imperfections. He chose a body for eternity that would have holes in it. Why would Jesus do that? Because he didn't want to hide what he went through. He wanted the disciples to see it. He wanted Thomas to see it. And one day when we stand before him, he wants you to see it. I love that Jesus doesn't hide his night. 
He doesn't hide his pain. He doesn't hide the, the, what looked like defeat but was actually victory. And there are so many people here tonight at church. You got your Sunday face on, you got your best clothes, and I wonder if you're depressed underneath that smile. I wonder if you're hopeless underneath that nice outfit. I came to tell you that there's a God in heaven who loves you, who died not just for your morning, but for your night. And it cost him his life. What's so beautiful about this is I want to say it like this. The end of your blank is not the end of you. What's your bubble? Because I know you got, everyone has a bubble. Maybe it's your your education. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's your money. Maybe it's, maybe it's your relationship. I say it like this. The end of your career is not the end of you. Say it like this. This may sound funny, but the end of your credit score is not the end of you. So a lot of people went in debt in COVID because they lost their job. Listen, you, you don't know how you can pay those loans back. The end of your credit score is not the end of you. Say it like this. The end of your loved one is not the end of you. I got a father right now who's on a ventilator because he's got COVID in the hospital. We don't know if we're going to see him again. But last May, before the ventilator, the 81-year-old stubborn man got baptized in this church. Come on. And I'm believing God's going to heal him. But even if he doesn't, The end of your health is not the end of you. The end of your success is not the end of you. The end of your pregnancy. I've seen so many couples in this church, they walk with shame. They walk with fear. They walk with condemnation because God didn't give them a baby. It's not the end of you. The end of your divorce is not the end of you. This one is significant for me. If you've been coming to Centerset for any amount of time, you, you know my story that I got married at the age of 23. My wife left me for someone else. So here I am, a 24-year-old divorcee. And in that time, I became a Christian. Pastor, I, people say, why did you become a Christian after the divorce? Because God whispers in our joy, but he shouts in our pain. And I didn't want to hear him. And it wasn't until after the pain that I submitted my life to him. And God revealed to me that marriage is forever. So even though she was unfaithful, my God was faithful to me. I was going to be faithful to her. And God revealed to me that I had made my relationship that bubble, so he popped it. And then I got under his word. Devil done messed up. I started serving in church, started going to seminary, became a youth pastor. All during this time where I was waiting for God to do a miracle. People would ask me, Pastor Al, come on. You're so young. Aren't you bitter? Aren't you getting over it? You don't get over it. You get through it. You get through it. Jesus resurrected in the morning, but he revealed himself at night. You might be in this room next to someone who's, who may be shedding tears next to you. Don't worry about them. They're getting through it. When the devil comes to you and wants to roll a stone over your family, over your marriage, say, devil, I'm not dead forever. I'm just, just getting through it. When your soul says quit, walk away. Walk away from the faith. It doesn't work. Tell your soul, soul, this is just a season. I'm getting through it. Because the God that I worship didn't stay dead. He resurrected. Come on. 
He wants to resurrect you. He wants to resurrect your family. He wants to resurrect your faith, the faith that's deflated, the faith that went pop. And it wrote down like this, the end of your life is not the end of you. I just feel so led to challenge some of you. You know, we are in a, a second pandemic that depression is up 41% since March 2020. That in America right now, there are twice as many suicides as homicides. That the number two cause of death among 11-year-olds to 13, 11 to 30-year-olds is suicide. It's crazy. We are afraid of living sometimes. But I think we're even more afraid of death. You know how I know this? Because the CDC says the number two cause of death during COVID, the number one cause if you had COVID was obesity. You know what the number two cause of death was? Fear and anxiety. You were so overwhelmed with fear that you told yourself you weren't going to make it. And your death and everyone, as, as morbid as that sounds, everyone in this room will die. But it doesn't have to be the end of you. Because there's a God in heaven who came. He didn't come to give us a book. He didn't come to give us a religion. He didn't come to give us some teachings. He came to die for us. And some of you would push back like, come on, Pastor Ali. I'm good. I'm good. Let me just challenge you. If you're so good, why were you willing to knife your neighbor for a roll of toilet paper 12 months ago? Come on. I remember. I remember the week of shelter in place. People had knives in Costco trying to get water. Come on. That is like, what? Are we in a end times? What is this? Some of you think, man, I'm good. I just want to quickly explain while she is doing this, the gospel. Because I don't want you to walk out this room thinking that if you're good, that's enough. See, the beautiful thing about the scriptures is that God gave us the Bible not just to reveal himself, but for it to be a mirror, for me to see myself. You ever see someone who doesn't know they have something in their teeth, and you're like, go to the bathroom, bro. And they walk around like super confident, like, oh my God, I'm amazing. And then you have to point it out to them. And often they don't believe you, they have to go look in a mirror. Sometimes when, when God and Christians say, we all fall short of the glory of God, you're like, that's not, I'm good. And you need to see in a mirror for yourself. Yeah, you can just plug it in. Oh, let me go to the other side. What I want to do real quick is this presentation that I love to do. Just super fast. The scriptures say that all, God, all men fall short of the glory of God. See, if I were to draw a morality scale, and this is 100, I usually ask people, who's the most righteous? Who's the kindest? Who's the best person you know? Most people say Mother Teresa or their grandmother. I go, what is she on a scale of 1 to 100? She would fart sometimes, not call it out. She's at 85. Right? 85. That's grandma. 
I'll just be honest. I'm ratchet. I'm a 40. I'm not going to lie. I have passed. And often we think 85 is a B. God's going to let me in. And we think 85 out of 100 is good enough for God. But let me tell you, because there's bad news of the gospel and there's good news. The bad news is that you have to be perfect to get into heaven. That usually makes people afraid. Which you mean no one's perfect. That's the point. That's why Jesus came. Because Jesus was the only one who lived the sinless, perfect life. 100%. And the gospel is that God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that I could be the righteousness of God. So let me explain the math equation. If I'm a 40 out of 100, what God does is he crosses out my 40. He crosses out your grandma's 85. And he puts 100, even though you're not. And it gives me 100, even though I'm not. And then he gives Jesus a 40 and an 85. That's why he came to die on the cross. God made him who knew no sin to become sin. That's why we're so joyful that the guy who died for us resurrected because his life is now our life. Because heaven is not filled with good people. It's filled with forgiven people. And the good news of the gospel, I could just articulate it the best way I can, is he wants to extend that gift to you. He wants to die for your sin. He wants to take your night. He wants to die for it. The part of you that you hide. If I get every person to stand up. On Easter Sunday. Resurrection Sunday. If I get every person to bow their heads and close their eyes. This is a holy moment. There are some of you in this room that you never understood Christianity. You never understood what Jesus did. That he's not a prophet. That he's not a good man. That he's God in the flesh. He came to die for us on a cross for my sin and for your sin. And when he carried his cross, it wasn't his cross. It was your cross and it was my cross. And the way that you become a Christian it's not by doing anything. It's by simply believing, by faith, that God loves you and wants to be your shield and your exceedingly great reward. Every eye closed and every head bowed. On the count of three, if you want to pray that prayer with me, I want you to just shoot your hand up. One, two, three. I see your hand, 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 I see your hand. You see your hand, you can clap for these people, come on. Pray this prayer with you. Thank you, Jesus. Everyone, thank you, Jesus, that you left heaven and became a man 
and you lived a sinless and perfect life. You died on a cross for my sin, for my mistakes, for my shortcomings. Thank you, Jesus, for a second chance. Thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to die for me. God, would you be my shield and my exceedingly great reward? I want to follow you, Jesus, all the days of my life. And everybody said, can we clap for what I thought for my pen hands? Thanks so much for listening. We hope this message impacted you and inspires you to draw closer to Jesus. Subscribe to this podcast and give us a follow on Instagram at Centerset Church to keep up with all that God is doing in our community. Also, we'd love to be in prayer with you. If you have any prayer requests, please send them to info at centerset.church.